Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host tonight, PK. PK, how you doing? Absolutely fabulous. It's just a wonderful day. Life is good. All can't right. <laughs> no, you can't. Now, uh, what's the temperature like in Tucson? I have not stuck my nose out the window yet. <laughs> it's been <laughs> hot. It's been very hot. In fact, the plants in the yard are curling. Even the cactus don't want to look up. It's pretty bad. Now, oh, my been, goodness. But we've had, we've had a lot of rain on and off, which has made it even more uncomfortable, shall we say, due to the humidity that we're not yeah. used to. That's right. Oh, ho, ho, right. <laughs> but it's an interesting time for everyone because this is the last week of August, and August is always a review of last year's stuff. So anything that you've got left on the table that you need to work on, take a look to reevaluate or get rid of, this is your week to do it. You've got one week left to do it. Once August leaves, we're out of luck. We can't go backwards. Okay, this is our chance. Yeah. This is our, our mm-hmm. one and only chance to get rid of the stuff we don't want anymore. And oh, we've got a great guest God, tonight yeah. who's going to help us with that, too. So we right. have some really exciting information coming to our audience tonight. So, yeah, so I had a very interesting experience I wanted to share with everybody. I know I mentioned that my husband was going to meet his half-brother for the first time ever. And they met, mm-hmm. and they are definitely brothers. <laughs> they get along just great. And um, his brother also brought his girlfriend, who is lovely, and we all had a wonderful time. It was a it was an Oprah moment, I can say. It was really touching to see after all these years that these guys found each other. And thank goodness for 23andMe, right? But. Isn't I do have to share. Help? It is. It is. These genetic tests are, are really amazing. Uh, when we were making dinner outside, because it was a beautiful, we had beautiful weather the whole time they were here, um, I heard this dull roar, and then it became a bigger roar of an engine. Of course, I yell to my husband, what the, is that? And... <laughs> He walks around a little bit. I'm standing there waiting to see this thing appear. And it was a military helicopter. It flew right through where we were standing oh, yeah. between us and the house. I was 
I thought it was in a movie. I was in shock. Unfortunately, I'm not a millennial, so I didn't even think to grab my phone. My mind was on all the food that was cooking in various areas around the house. And this thing was deafening. It was absolutely deafening. And it was big. So my husband said, oh, it's just probably a tourist helicopter, you know, from the fair. I'm like, that's no tourist helicopter. I called our neighbor, and he said, yeah, I, I saw it. I just got home. I was sitting out on my porch, and this thing dove down and flew around my house, and I thought we were under attack. So he said there was a machine gun on the front of that helicopter. So it took me till Monday, because this was Friday night. It took me till Monday to get to the FAA, and they they figured out everything that was going on. This one guy there that was very smart, did a lot of detective work, because these guys, they weren't on radar. They were below radar, no flight plan. So I, I said, I really want to know why they were here. And it turned out, according to all of them, uh, it was nothing to be worried about other than the proximity of the helicopter to us. Uh, but it was really an experience because I'll tell you why I'm sharing this. So many people we've interviewed on the show, so many abductees talk about the helicopters, that there are helicopters over their house, the helicopters are, are following them, and you really don't get the feeling of how intimidating that can be until you're up close and personal like we were. So this was not a black helicopter. This was a Navy helicopter, so it was a light gray. But it was pretty intimidating between the noise, the size, um, where it was, so close to us in our house. It, it, I can see what UFO abductees have been talking about for so many years about this. So just wanted to share that. I now have a heartfelt understanding of what that feels like to for all the abductees that have gone through it and are still going through it. So that was my big experience, and <laughs> I don't know, PK, I still have some questions in my mind about it, but um, I, I think we, we probably will not see them again. Although my husband and our neighbor both said, well, if they come back, we want to ride. So, <laughs> Well, I was going to say, they knew you were cooking dinner. They wanted to be invited. I guess. I guess they wanted some of the it great food party, we were right? preparing. Yeah, well, that, they should have let us know. I would have invited well, them. Well, you know how they are. They sneak up on you. <laughs> they certainly they do. do. That it's hard best, to... don't they? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, you've been with the military, so you know uh, what, what they're capable mm-hmm. of. But, oh, my God, the noise alone was unbelievable. So, anyhow, well, it, it was an interesting thing. Go ahead, PK. If it had been after dinner, you could have told your brother-in-law it was dessert. <laughs> right. We're putting on a show for you, see? <laughs> That's right. Anything so, to make my brother happy. <laughs> yeah, anything. We'll do anything for him. So, yeah. So it, it was a very unusual <laughs> evening, let me put it like that. But I do feel for the abductees who've gone through this for years and years and years. Yeah. And I now get a sense of, of what they're talking about. So, well, anyway, it's so hard for people to believe it unless they feel something of it. I think that's always well, yeah, the case. and you know, it's like until you see this on your property and you know, overwhelming noise, 
from it. Mm-hmm. And then the questions in your mind of what in the world are they doing here? It's And you feel like a micro dot, you know, on, on a planet because this, yep. this helicopter was a super viper. It was very large. So, again, it's, you you feel pretty small. I did. I felt pretty small. You know, it's like wow, they can do anything. And, and I found out later that yeah, that these uh, these types of helicopters are usually armed with not bullets, missiles. That they're designed for wartime and to take out tanks, etc. So, pretty intimidating. I'm sure they were very good pilots. Obviously, highly trained. Um, but it was concerning that they were so close to us. I would have liked to have seen them a little higher up. (laughs) (laughs) Or at the neighbors, right? (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't even wish that was just on my neighbor. I love my neighbor, so (laughs) I wouldn't wish it on him either. So, anyways, the FAA was very good, very professional, and and very helpful. So I always recommend give them a call. I think that's important. They did, to the best of their knowledge. I think they were quite mm-hmm. concerned that it was so close, and and they responded. You know, they responded very nicely. Right. And I, I really right. appreciated that. Well, so. many times they don't. So having them answer is is a step in the right direction. I think if you see those helicopters close by, or any helicopter close by, and you have questions, that mm-hmm. I'm sure they can answer them for you. So, anyways, oh, my gosh, what else is going on? Please give us a like and follow on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter, MeWe, on Instagram. We're on all of them. And we've got, again, lots and lots of great stuff coming up. Remember Don Oscar, the shaman from Peru. Uh He's a real, real standout. Oh, my gosh. He's coming back. Not till November. Everybody will have to wait a little bit. But, yeah, he has a new book coming out. He's going to be visiting with us in November. Cannot wait to have him back. We're going to have Bill Hall. You know, he is the guy who writes the books on these incredibly haunted houses and parcels of land that have time shifts and everything else. He'll be back on the show. A lot has happened since we had him here. So it's it's very exciting. We're coming into the witchcraft time. We're coming into hauntings. And we've still got to get some astrologers back on for predictions because the world is just too darn crazy. We got to know what's coming. Oh, so we'll have sure. we'll have that too. Yeah, we'll have that too. So tonight we have Lindsay Fauntleroy joining us, and she has had an amazing life, and is still having an amazing life. She's an acupuncturist, an integrative counselor, educator, and thought leader in the field of mind-body medicine. Her interdisciplinary approach draws on the wisdom of psychology, the science of the subtle body, the intersection of spiritual and religious teachings, and indigenous approaches to self-cultivation and mastery. Lindsay guides patients on their journey to physical and emotional wellness, meaningful transformation, and personal evolution as they manifest their goals. Now, Lindsay, we're going to hear about her own personal journey with fertility. And what happened is quite extraordinary. She's going to be telling us all about that. And the other thing is we're all of like minds here with Lindsay because 
Lindsay firmly believes that the power to heal should rest in the hands and hearts of all communities. Now, you know, PK, we've gone over that one before. We truly believe that as well. So Definitely. Um, she has, yes, right. So she has a new book, and it is called In Our Element, Using the Five Elements to Unleash Your Personal Power. Highly recommend the book, and you're going to get to hear from Lindsay right now. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me here. It's our pleasure. This is a great book, and it's an, a Thank very you. unusual topic in some ways, but yet it's an ancient topic. Mm-hmm. So we love those. So tell us, tell us how you got involved with all of this. I think you've had a lifetime of experiences, it sounds like, from your book. It's funny because it sometimes feel like feels like it's been multiple lifetimes of coming back to do the same the same work and the same practices. Um, but I really got started. You know, you mentioned in my intro, and thank you for that, by the way, um, that this all started for me when I was trying to get pregnant. Uh, I was told that I could never have children, and it really was that that life circumstance that was important to me enough to facilitate a change. And we all kind of have those moments, right? We have those moments. They sometimes Mm -hmm. feel like trauma or crisis, but there's something that kicks in and says, nope, you've got to live your life completely differently. And so for me, it was finding out that I couldn't have children because it just didn't line up with my, my vision. And So in that process, I was introduced to flower essence therapy. I was introduced to acupuncture and the five elements. I was introduced to yoga. All of the practices that I talk about in my book came through my own process of trying to heal my body first, which is where it started. And then once I started trying to heal my body, I realized that I had a whole lot going on in my mind and in my heart that also needed to be fixed. Um, and so that's where this, this medicine comes out of. It's it's that personal practice. And then once I discovered it, or I shouldn't say discovered, should say reintroduced to it, um, because like you mentioned, it is ancient, ancient practices. And I just fell in love. And I went back to school and was really committed to studying these arts and and sharing them with with my community and and now through the book. And you were able to have a child. So what happened? How did that come about? So it all started, I would say it started with the flower essences. And I tell the story in in the book where I was going through one of those down moments where I was just crying a lot and really wasn't quite able to function. I was just so devastated. And my sister-in-law at the time had the box flower remedies in her cabinet And she started giving them to me. And what I noticed right away was that I felt a shift, like an energetic shift, super subtle, Mm -hmm. where there was just this little voice that was like, it's going to be okay. It feels like your world is falling apart. It's not. It's going to be okay. And so from there, the flower essences, and that's one of the things that I've learned about working with the flower essences is that they often show up as a subtle inner voice that is, directing you, guiding you, kind of saying, go here, do this, try this, go to this Mm -hmm. website, that sort of inner compass awakening. 
or alignment. And so that's what happened. I was working with the flower essences, and then I was introduced to uh, a spiritual organization where I learned meditation and divination and crystal therapy. And one of the most important things that I learned while I was there was Qigong, which is a martial art that comes out of Mm -hmm. uh, the Eastern world. And we were learning the Qigong for emotional balance. So it just blew my mind that there were sounds I could chant, slow movements I could do, not even big exercise or just like these subtle movements. And all of a sudden I had insight into my anger. I had insight into my trauma. I had insight into my fears. And everything just started to shift from that point. I got introduced to acupuncture I started doing yoga for fertility, and in that process, it took about two years, I started coming into this awareness of my own body, and I remember my hormone levels. If anyone has been in a trying to conceive process, it's all about monitoring your hormones, right? It's like, what's your estrogen mm-hmm. doing? What's your FSH doing? And it, it really, in the way that sometimes the medical industry does, not always, but often, it can disconnect you from your own body's rhythms and knowing. So I was hmm. getting all of this blood work done, and I had seen a herbalist, a Chinese herbalist in lower Manhattan, and he had given me this formula, and I knew I was ovulating. I knew it. I knew I was ovulating, and I went to the endocrinologist and he looked at my blood work and he said, nope, you're not ovulating. It's impossible. You've been in menopause forever. Not possible. And I kept saying, no, I can feel it. I know. I I know my body. This is happening. And then finally he did an ultrasound and he said, oh, look, you're ovulating. <laughs> I just had to laugh because like that. Well, I've been saying it for 45 minutes. But it was it was those kinds of moments and miracles where, you know, when we're going through this practice, when we're working with soul medicine, it's not the kind of healing that always hits you over the head. It's not this moment where you're like, I'm healed. It's these subtle little triumphs that happen day by day, moment by moment, sometimes just even a change in perspective or an awakening of hope that wasn't there before. And then after being in those subtle shifts, you look back and you realize that your life is different. And so that was my process. And I had my daughter um, after, I said, two years of, of trying. And it wasn't a linear process of bad to better. You know, I had a miscarriage in that process, which felt like I was starting all over again. Um, but she came and she's here and she's healthy and vibrant and it's just really a, a daily reminder of the power of what we can't see. Well, congratulations with your daughter. That's that is Thank such you. a mm-hmm. miracle. And it sounds like you did a combination then of alternative practice, the spiritual path, and traditional medicine. Is that what you'd say you did? to make all of this come to be. Absolutely. And that's what I talk about in the book is that we don't have to separate these worlds, that our work as I see it moving forward is really how do we integrate. So it's not about throwing out 
the the conventional medicine to do something alternative. It's not throwing out the alternative because your doctor says it's kooky or wacky. It's really being that center point that is able to integrate all of these different practices from all of these different traditions and Mm -hmm. seeing what works for your body in that moment, your heart in that moment, and pulling from the wisdom from all the places that are sources. Now, there are many, many, many flower essences. Would you mind sharing the ones that you started taking to help you on this path with having a child? Oh, there were so many, but the ones that stand out to me, uh, one is called self-heal. And so self-heal flower essence, which is it's just brilliant in its name, it awakens your own body's capacity to heal. And so one of the mm. things that I talk about in the book is, you know, when you put a Band-Aid on a cut, the Band-Aid isn't doing anything to heal you. It's just protecting and creating the circumstances so that your body can do what it knows how to do. And right. I would say that self-heal helped me do that on the physical plane. It helped me get my sleep schedule together and my exercise schedule together and my dietary choices together and which doctors to see, which doctors to stop seeing because they were breaking my confidence, you know. So self-heal was one of the ones that was really central for me in that process. Another one that stands out to me as being one of my my allies during that time is a flower essence called holly. And holly Mm -hmm. is about keeping the... uh, it's one of the one of my favorites. It's about keeping the heart open, and there was so much resent. If I if I can be transparent and honest, which I like to be, when I was going through that process, there was so much resentment that I was feeling. Yeah, sure. You know, I was re- was resentful of when I saw people yelling at their kids, for example. Mm-hmm. Totally irrational. Um, but I would I would feel resentment for that. I would feel resentment even towards my own body or towards my partner. Um, sometimes resent resentful towards God. You know, there was there was so much hurt and betrayal that I was feeling and Holly just really helped me to keep my heart open, helped me to reopen and re engage and I got to a point in my process where I had to acknowledge that even if I don't get pregnant even if I don't have children, I can still have a beautiful life. I can right. still have the life that was That's designed important. specifically for me. Right. And I, I think Holly was one of the flower essences that that helped move me into that space of surrender and compassion for myself and for my past. Yeah, because I can only imagine what it's like when you see you want something like this so badly. And it's supposed to be natural. You know, it's supposed to be like your God-given right. And here you have to work so hard at, at trying to right. uh, to get all the, the circumstances to support this to happen. So it's quite right. a journey that you are on. And it's also the traditional methods are quite invasive and a lot of work and a lot of expense. Right, right. And all of that was part of the equation. And I I think, you know, the process really taught me a lot, even though it was specifically for my fertility, the lessons that I learned in that process 
come up as a refrain for me whenever I'm trying to manifest something. You know, there's the surrender, there's the compassion, there's the patience, there's the, you know, getting out of my own way and not trying to control everything. Not everything is going to be on my timeline. Um, Those are some of the recurring themes that I really learned because I was motivated to learn them when I was trying to conceive, but they come back over and over again, those lessons and those flower essences come back over and over again. Now, how do you think the most important thing that I learned from the flower essences is that you could be put into a state of calm and it gives you an opportunity to heal different elements that are ongoing. And one essence isn't necessarily good for everything, but a blending mm-hmm. of them at times gives you so much more. And it's mind-boggling at times to see how quickly they actually can work for you. It's so true. One of the things that I say, I, I run a practitioner training program, and one of our classes is formula making. Like, how do you blend these flower essences together? Mm-hmm. And one of the things they that I say over and over again is that, Plants are like people. You know, some flowers get along really well together and support one another. (laughs) And some flowers belong in different formulas to do different things. (laughs) Mm, So they don't fight with each other. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Some of them have really strong personalities, you know. So we, we go through that process in the course of how to attune to the flowers to know which ones can take the lead in a formula and mm-hmm. tell the other flowers what to do and which ones are more in the background and supportive allies for the the matriarch of the formula. So how do you take these? Do you take these like a few drops every, I don't know, every few hours or what do you, is it different for each one? What I tell people the standard dose is four drops of the flower essence or the formula under your tongue four times Mm -hmm. a day, and then I add in as needed for stress or personal growth. So it's more fluid because they work on resonance. Yes. And it works really well because what it invites us to do is to tune in and be present to what Mm -hmm. our, our body or what our soul is asking for in any given moment. And then we also know intuitively when we're done with the flower essence. Hmm. So I have there's these wonderful moments where a, a client will come and say, "Oh, I was taking the flower essence and I was doing really well with it, but then I left it at work over the weekend, or I went on vacation and I forgot to bring it, or I got out of my car and it fell and shattered all over the floor." And that's kind mm-hmm. of a message for me where I'm like, "Okay, that means that you're done with it." It's, <laughs> you, yeah, you've already completed the cycle. No. It's done its job. They're they're moving on to do other things. Now, do you have a specific a blend that you use, or do you make your own blends? Like I started out with the box flower remedies. That's how I got started right. with it. I started with the box flower remedies, and then in 2009, I went out to Nevada City to do my certification training with the Flower Essence Mm -hmm. Society, and then went on to learn some of the Alaskan essences. So I created a line of flower essences that are based on the five elements. So really bringing together uh the acupuncture theory, and so each of the five elements has three themes, and what what I'm excited about 
is that the themes that the flower essences address are the same soul lessons that I discuss in the book. So the two are really meant to work together where if someone is learning about, we're in the earth element season now, if they're learning about this idea of how to manifest something or how to honor the creative process, then that corresponds with the flower essence blends that I created and so on and so forth. Oh, excellent. So can, can people buy these directly from you, Lindsay? Yes, absolutely. I have all of the flower essences on my website, which is thespiritseed.org. And what I also have on there is a fun assessment, little five-minute assessment where you can look at pictures and then ask you questions about your stress level, and it'll point you in the direction of which flower essences would be helpful. I grew up taking quizzes in Cosmo magazine, so I love those, you know, personality quizzes, and so the <laughs> the assessment mirrors that in some ways. That's great. So it's pretty easy and painless to try to get to the right flower essence for yourself. Now, when you're working with your patients, I mean, you're obviously not a, not going at it the same way a traditional MD would do this, like. Okay, where's the pain in right. your knee? You know, show me exactly where it is. Okay, right. let's see what your function is. So how do you work with people? What are the steps you take to help find out what they need? Well, I loosely go through all of the, the levels of the subtle body. And so by that I mean we start by looking at where does someone feel stuck in their life? So the whole theory of acupuncture is about creating balance and energetic flow. And, of course, that balance and energetic flow is going to show up as health in our bodies. But when we have that energetic flow disrupted in our life, what does it look like? It looks like not having enough money, being in relationships that aren't supportive or nurturing. It looks like any of the emotional pain points that come from the circumstances of our life. So that's the the first place that we start is where does your life feel stuck? And mm-hmm. then the next place that we go to is what are the emotions that are taking over your experience? And so each of the five elements um, in this theory has a different core emotion as well as associated emotions. So, for example, if someone is in the water element, their core emotion might be fear, but how that's showing up for them is anxiety. They can't sleep at night because they're worried about what might happen and they can't really surrender and trust that things are going to work out okay. So that's the step two. It's looking at the emotional body and seeing, okay, well, we know that you're feeling like your finances aren't doing well and what that's triggering for you is fear. And then the next place we'll go is, looking at the different signatures of the element. Each element by association is related to different aspects of the human experience. So we'll look at those signatures, the way the elements show up in terms of sounds or colors or seasons or just the different life circumstances that they are aligned with. And that's really how we land in a particular element and start mm-hmm. looking at the flower essences that address that. But a lot so of it you, has to – oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's okay. I was just going to say, because in your book you address 
people who go, oh, well, you know, they look at their astrological chart and they think they're an earth element because there's so much earth in their chart. But that's not how this works, is it? Mm-mm. It's not. And it's based on this, the philosophy that as humans, we say in East Asian medicine, we stand between heaven and earth, which means that we have all of the elements within us. And so the way that I talk about the elements in the book is not so much what element are you, but what phase of your life are you in? What what element can support you in whatever it is that you're trying to achieve? And so even if I'm a I'm a water sign, I'm a Scorpio, but that doesn't mean that I'm always going to be working with the water element. It's almost like calling in the idea of, you know, in the tarot there's the magician, and the magician is juggling and wielding all of the elements. And that's what this work is inviting us to. It's saying, okay, well, which element is showing up for me, and how do I work with that current? How do I work with that energetic current to create something? How do I move through the blocks that might be showing up, regardless of what my astrological sign is or what element I feel mostly drawn to? It's really looking at what do these elements bring into my life and how do I align with them? I see. I've heard people talk about if you are a fish, you need to be in the water element. Then things flow more easily. But if you're a fish and you're in the earth element, that could be a little challenging. So is that also true? Can you say a little bit more? <laughs> I got stuck picturing the fish on the earth, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I guess the question, yeah, the, like, what this person laughing around. <laughs> yeah, the poor little fish. So I guess what this this person was trying to convey is that we each have a way of moving through the world with a certain right. within a certain element where things are easier for us because it's more true to our nature. So right. if we are a water element like a fish and we're in the water element and we're working with that water element respectfully, then it's easier. But if we're not, you know, if we're we've rejected the water element and we're a fish and right. we want to be in the air, it's gonna be one problem after another. So that was the way they were explaining it. It sounded very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's true in the sense of just speaking from a clinical perspective, people don't come to see me when things are working well. <laughs> people yeah, come to see right. me when they feel stuck. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> so right. when, they're in, in their, when they're in the water doing their water things, they're fine. It's when they're stuck that they come to see me, and that's when we start looking at, okay, well, which element is going to help you get unstuck. And, you know, when I'm training practitioners, one thing that I'm I'm really big on is that as a practitioner, we are not able to see the totality of someone's being. You know, mm-hmm. we can't assume to see more than that person can see of themselves. So we're really just working with the raw material or if we're thinking in terms of alchemy, we're looking at the lead that's ready to become gold. Whether that comes for them naturally, whether that is going to be a struggle, whether they're going to need a lot of support or just a little push in the right direction still remains to be seen. But we always just Mm -hmm. start with the lead that's in the room. And as clients, as me, myself, as we work 
with these elements, we start to awaken more of our own latent authentic potential. And so even if I'm a water person, as I work continuously with the wood element, I'm going to start to embody the wood. So now I'm a water and a wood person <laughs> and so I on see. and so forth. It's now, about, what about people who, and awakening. Right. Now, what about people who say, look, I've tried every manifestation technique there is and they don't work mm-hmm. for me. So um, mm-hmm. how would you work with somebody like that? Would you take a look at the initial element that they're in and then see what needs to be combined with that? I would probably take a step back and really support the person in getting clear on why they're trying to manifest this thing. Mm-hmm. Because when we're working with this within this philosophy, there's a, a spiritual destiny, if you will. And so... I I talk about it in the book as like the divine timing of the yin and the yang. And so the yang, which we're very familiar with in this culture, I call this a very yang-dominated society where it's, you know, the yang is associated with activity and productivity and will and intention and all of those things. And then there's the feminine counterpart, which is the yin. And the yin is about substance and being of the earth and, how things materialize. And those two things have to work together. And so sometimes we can have the will to manifest something, but it's not for this lifetime or it's not for this moment mm-hmm. or, you know, and so there's a there's a will and an intention, but there's also a listening and a receptivity and a surrender. And so if someone comes in and says, okay, I've been trying to mat- work on this thing for five years, 10 years, nothing works, then we have to start asking different questions about, well, what is life trying to teach you or direct you towards? Right. Now, is the, the same true? The book, Go ahead, TK. In the book, you mentioned that uh, certain parts of the world aren't as knowledgeable or interested in working with the flower existence. Uh, what, what makes the difference? But it can be so you know, common in one part of the world and a negativity in others. You know, I would love to know. I know in the U.S. that they're not very common. You know, I talk about in the book, and, and it's been true my entire career in this field, that whenever I say flower essences, people automatically assume I'm talking about essential oils, which they're not. Mm-hmm. Or they're kind of like, what is that? Or is it a perfume? Or all of those kinds of things. So I'm not really sure how, why they haven't gained as much traction in the U.S. as they have in other countries, you know, in Brazil where, you know, my book is being translated into Portuguese because there's so much receptivity in Latin America for the Mm -hmm. flower essences. And, you know, there's countries where when COVID when the pandemic was happening, the healthcare systems would publish recommended flower essences because they know how effective they are. So it's really interesting to me, too, in terms of, you know, I think it gets into larger questions about healthcare and the pharmaceutical industry and and those types of things uh, in terms of why the flower essences aren't as popular here. And I also think it has a lot to do with the the academic research 
you know, in the U.S., the medical industry is really driven by empirical uh, data and studies and research. And flower essences, you really can't research in a double-blind study. You know, no two people mm-hmm. are going to have the exact same life circumstances and the exact same inspiration and insight. So there's not a lot of research on flower essences, and I think that's what keeps them from being really integrated into the healthcare system here. You know, there's different groups here in town that have been working with them, and I found it very interesting. Uh, I had learned more about it when I was back east, but after I came out here, it kind of waned a bit until certain circumstances changed. But uh, I Mm -hmm. noticed what you were writing about also that the difference in brown and black uh, people, how they feel about the essences, what what makes that draw towards that? Um, the difference between black and brown people and the flower essences? Right. Well, I would say that in my experience, it's, it hasn't been that there's been more draw of black and brown people to the flower essences. I will say, though, that they – that the flower essence therapy and the work with flower essences as a spiritual medicine is very deeply Mm -hmm. steeped in um, African spiritual systems, shamanic spiritual systems, right? It's this nature-based medicine. And so I think ancestrally folks are drawn towards certain medicines. My experience with the healthcare industry and alternative medicine as a whole has largely been that black and brown people have been marginalized from the holistic wellness industry. Mm-hmm. And so I'm yeah. excited to see that that's starting to change and shift. I know it was something that was really important to me as I was writing the book as a black woman um, with the imagery that I wanted to see myself in the book and, you know, right. acupuncture meridians on someone wearing big hoop earrings because that's what I do, you know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it was yeah. very much about changing the image of what we associate with alternative wellness. Yeah, well, yeah, that's in great. New Orleans, uh, we'll say they they have their own issues that they work with, and of course, it's not mm-hmm. as the medicines that we use, but things are used in different ways to bring together. Yeah, and it's interesting to see. Different but the same. Does that make sense? Mm, it does. It's like there's like a pulse or a current that is mm-hmm. kind of unif- like a unified current. And I think, right. you know, I can almost picture the way I see it in my mind's eye is this current as a wind blowing and people reaching up and grabbing a little bit of that current and, and mixing it in right. their own labs and, and creating new medicine. I do talk about this medicine as being something that we are co-creating, even though it's ancient, it's coming through an ancient wind, it's coming through an ancient current, mm-hmm. but we have to adapt it to be relevant in our current life and times. You know, so the way that someone used flower essences in ancient Egypt 25,000 years ago is going to be very different from how I use flower essences in 2022 in Brooklyn. Um, but it's, there's a current there. There's a stream of consciousness and connection that's tying these these works together. And aren't these yeah. flower essences, do you see them as an active intelligence that's also evolving? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, 
the flower essences, the, the elements themselves, it's sentient knowledge, you know. So in the, in the training programs, we talk about they are shaping us and we are shaping them. So the flower essences can do so many things. When you look at the Materia Medica or the, the repertories, you know, one flower mm-hmm. essence can do 20 or 30 different things. It's really incredible. And then you work with that flower essence and it shows up differently in your life. And you start to see the archetypal imprint, but it still looks different. And that's what is so exciting about this work is that we're constantly adding and building the body of research and the body of knowledge, or as you were saying, the documenting the intelligence as it shows up for us in different places of our lives, which is is really humbling, you know, as a, as a human. <laughs> Yeah, it is. really humbling to see that. It's it's so mystical and so powerful. But, you know, it's true. This American medicine, I'm not talking about trauma medicine. I'm talking an emergency medicine. I'm talking about the everyday or for chronic illness is so lacking. And so it's, it's wonderful to be able to turn to something like flower essences. Now, I do have a question from somebody in our audience tonight, and she wants to know how much do they cost? Oh, that's the best thing about them. They are so accessible. Um, most flower essences range anywhere from 7 or $8 for a single essence to, I've seen formulas go up to 40 or 45 um, and you're working with them for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. depending on, you know, how many flower essences are in that formula. But they're so accessible, and part of the reason for that is because they are a vibrational medicine. So if we use a rose, for example, to differentiate, if you have a rose, a pure rose essential oil, it can cost $150 for a little small thing because you're yeah. getting the actual oils from the rose. but with flower essences, you're distilling the vibration of the rose into water. And so that one rose can yield ex- so many mother tinctures that it really helps to make the flower essences affordable. That's great. Yeah, that is affordable. So the most expensive one could be in the 40s, but a lot of them are $7, $7 $8. That, and that makes it more doable for a lot of people today. So that's good to right. know. Okay, and let's see what else. Oh, would you please announce your website again? They want to go to your website. Oh, wonderful. It's thespiritseed.org. And you have your essences available for sale there on the website? The essences as well as classes, as well as the book, it's all there. Um, you can see some of the work that students have done in the community as they work with the elements and the flower essences, their research studies are there. It's really a great community that we have. So this person is writing again, asking another question. How can I work with Lindsay? And um, Lindsay's located in New York City, everybody. So if you're not in New York City, then do you do this by Skype or Zoom or some other way of connecting? I do. I do counseling through, uh, I do it through Zoom. Um, it's integrative counseling, so I bring in the five elements as a coaching uh, foundation, 
And then we work with flower essences. I give yoga poses or acupressure points to massage and that sort of thing. And I do work with a small number of folks uh, privately for three or six months in increments, so those cycles of soul change. Um, and that information, there's a contact form on the website that you can reach out if you're interested in private coaching, and we can send you the the information about that. Oh, but a lot great. of people... Now, mm-hmm. Oh, go for it. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You go ahead. A lot of people... A lot of people really gain a lot from the classes. So one of the classes coming up is In Our Element. And what's really great about that that class is because it's designed for all of us that are healers in some capacity, whether we're healing ourselves or we're the person in our family that people come to when they have problems or challenges. And so it really becomes that community where we're thinking about our own healing process through the ceiling, through the seasons and supporting Mm -hmm. one another in that work. So I do strongly recommend if folks are looking to start working with flower essences maybe for the first time and, and want to do it in a more communal space. And there's some really great opportunities on the website to do that as well. This is I think great. one of the things that I found very interesting about the flower essences is that you could get involved with two or three different ones at the same time. Because if a person right. is going through stress, but they're also going through a health issue, you, you could, they build together. That was the part that I found yes. fascinating. They do. Like, well, you know, I think about when I'm trying to make something happen and I have a girlfriend that's going to champion me in that work. <laughs> the flower essences <laughs> are similar. It's like, we call them allies in the classes. We say, okay, well, who's going to help? Who's going to help this flower, you know, say if you're working on um, – you know, having a more meditative presence, right? And so that might point you to star tulip flower essence. And then you say, well, well, who's going to be the allies to help this person have this meditative presence? And so it might be a flower like white chestnut because white chestnut is the flower essence. It's like, well, you got to stop thinking so much and turn down your brain <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> so then yeah. white chestnut becomes an ally to the star tulip, and they're all just working together. And I, I think nature models so much for us how to lend our gifts to one another without competing. Uh, and the flowers just really do that beautifully together when they're combined. Now, you work with people in person with acupuncture, so you can combine that with the flower essences. And you also... Are you also trained in myofascial release? Is that one of your I am, skills yes. also? Yes, I think that's that a was, fascinating uh, therapy. It really is. I learned, I studied at Tri-State College of Acupuncture and the, the founder of that school, the school is unfortunately uh, no longer um, running, but the founder of the school was really fascinated with myofascial release. And what he discovered was that a lot of the trigger points in myofascial release were resonant with the muscular channels of Hmm. East Asian medicine. So he was looking at the referral pain of a trigger point and, okay, this 
referral pain is running along the muscular meridian of this particular channel. And so when we were in acupuncture school, we did a year rotation of just myofascial release where it was looking at the trigger points, but also using the acupuncture, opening up the, the acupuncture meridians to soften the way for the trigger point that was mm-hmm. about to be released. What's yeah, amazing about that's... it is, yeah, go ahead. You really, you really see how our consciousness lives in our body. And I can give a great example of this. We were, it was one of the years we were in the clinic rotation. Of course, we're practicing on each other. And I came up to have a treatment, and the way that my back responded instinctively to a particular set of points, uh, he asked, he said, were you in a car accident? And I said, no. And then in the next moment, the memory of this terrible car accident I had been in in my early 20s immediately came to the surface, and I had completely forgotten that I had had that accident. But when that point was released, that memory came right up to the surface as if it were the day before. And that is one of the things that we say about this process is that we heal from the inside out. So as the memories come up and surface, which, of course, sometimes they're not pleasant, sometimes they're painful, sometimes it's trauma that's resurfacing that our body has very politely tucked away so that we don't have to worry about it, that that becomes a way that we know that we're healing as this stuff comes out from the depths of our psyche into our conscious mind and then ultimately out and return to the universe. Yeah, it's. I'm very impressed with that kind of therapy, and I knew a therapist who practiced this many, many, many years ago, and she was excellent at it. And it, I remember she did some work on me, again, this long ago, and I can't even tell you what the memory was that surfaced. I just mm-hmm. know that after she worked on me, um, I didn't, every once in a while, I'd have these night terrors. I'd just wake up in total terror. And wow. it was totally gone. And wow. I didn't have any particular memory come up when she was working on me, as I said, but when she stopped working on me, those things never came back. So that's wow. a pretty powerful therapy to be able to get rid of something and you don't even know why it was there. I didn't need to know. I just wanted it to stop, right. and it did. Right. So and that it, it was incredible. So key that idea of not ha- we don't have to know, like that that things can just leave us, <laughs> and we don't have to like stay in the story or relive it. It can just go. <laughs> yeah, that's I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just get on out of here. (laughs) Yeah, just get out of my way already. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But but that you said there's no the school is no longer available. So people can't even go study it anymore. I don't know of another school. I know there is really great um acupuncture schools that are starting to integrate the muscular meridians. I know that I believe physical therapists have training in dry needling, which is somewhat similar to the the myofascial release through trigger points. 
Um, but I'm definitely keeping my eyes and ears open for another acupuncture program that's integrating these two medicines in that way because it really was a profound, uh, profound, profound healing practice. But, you know, the school is around for I don't even know how many years. So there are quite a few acupuncturists that do the, the trigger point release and are continuing to train in it in um, continuing education. So it's definitely something you can ask your acupuncturist about if they're if they have that that training. Mm-hmm. And I would say another discipline is what I love about acupuncture is that there's so many different ways to practice. Another form of acupuncture that I found incredibly miraculous is um, Kiko Matsumoto Japanese acupuncture. And what's interesting about when we look at the history of acupuncture is when acupuncture moved over into Japan, the acupuncturists were blind. And so they really relied on the sense. Yes, it's so amazing. And so they really relied on the sensation of the chi under their fingertips. So Japanese acupuncture is um, comparative to myofascial trigger point release, very, very subtle very, very gentle, um, but also very effective. So we see even embedded in the medicine that there's, you can practice in different ways and and still have, you know, miraculous results. There's not just one way to get acupuncture. That's fascinating. So I think also we're up against it in our culture as Americans that if it's not forceful, it doesn't count. Like cranial sacral <laughs> right. therapy, right? I mean, that's very subtle. Mm-hmm. It's like, is anybody touching right. me? I kind of feel something, but but yeah. And I, I've seen a lot of people, especially guys, get really like, oh, this is such a waste of money. I, you know, they just I didn't feel anything, you know. But but again, what's right. happening is this deeper communication just, that they're not used to. Right. I and I, first, I think the same. I had, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I could understand that the first time I had that happen, and I kept thinking, what is the purpose of this? I'm just lazy. I'm doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and then you realize, oh, my God, how wonderful it is. Right. The flower essences are the same way. They're They're so subtle. And I've had clients come back to me and say, it didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> we'll start going through and like kind of going back through the notes of what they talked about last time, and then they're kind of oh yeah, oh yeah, and then this happened and that happened, but it's it's so subtle, it's not going to hit you over the head. You really have to slow down and and pay attention in order to notice all of the things that are are shifting. In the book, I talk about the different states of consciousness and moving out of our waking state beta. Um, which is based on the five senses. It's where, like you said, we're looking for, like, results, and we want things to be really apparent. And as we slip into delta, theta, alpha states of awareness, things slow down and are are a little less easy to perceive. Yeah, that's uh, it is like a I mean you're communicating with a whole different level of consciousness if you allow yourself to. That's right. It's just that we that's haven't right. allowed yeah. ourselves to communicate. Yeah, so the same is true with dreams and as a dream therapist. Right. You know, people would start with I don't remember, you know, and I don't know what they're saying. It just makes no sense. 
And but yet, right. given the time, you know, they come to learn their personal symbols, their universal symbols, and they have a real conversation. Mm-hmm. They can ultimately lead to prophetic dreams and things like that that are really exciting. So, yeah, it's all it seems mm-hmm. to be in healing that the core issue is communication or lack thereof on these different right. levels of consciousness. That's right. And that's what I'm excited about seeing come back as we see this reemergence of alternative therapies that come out of old world views. I call it being neo-ancient. You know, we're taking these ancient practices and bringing them forward in a new way. But to do that, we have to remember how to access these different states of consciousness and to um, integrate them. So that it works for us. You know, we can't necessarily just walk around in a theta state or in a dreamlike state, but can we go into that state when we need to, to find those personal symbols or collective symbols? Yes, absolutely. And then it becomes a portal for our healing. So it's remembering how to do that. Yeah. Now, how about people that are in serious pain? I mean, a lot of people mm-hmm. have tremendous amounts of pain and some okay. people are on the oxycodone type stuff and mm-hmm. because there's nothing else that will help them to minimize right. the pain. What do you do mm-hmm. when you encounter a patient who's in terrible pain? How do you help them? Well, the first thing that I say is don't stop doing anything that's helping you. So if mm-hmm. you're in pain and the oxy is the only thing that is making that pain stop, then I'm not going to say to to stop taking it. I tend to see, and the same thing comes up a lot with antidepressants, which is a different kind of emotional pain, um, but still pain. You know, it's very hard to do this subtle inner work while you're in excruciating pain. Right. What I do is we work collaboratively and say, okay, keep doing what you're doing with your psychiatrist, with your physical therapist, with your primary care, whoever it is that is giving you this medicine for whatever type of pain that you are dealing with. Keep doing that. If you want me to talk to them and tell them what we're doing, no problem. Sign this form, (laughs) right? And then, okay, we're going to do the inner work. We're going to do the soul work. And it may or may not shift. It kind of comes back to, you know, I may or may not be able to get pregnant. But Mm -hmm. I can still be happy, healthy, and whole within whatever circumstances that my body is experiencing. And so that's what we're going to work on. And so if there is a part of your body that is in excruciating pain, do what you need to do to work on that. And we're still going to do this, this soul work over here. And it may shift. It may shift the physical pain or it may not. But there's still some growth and evolution and there's still something for you in this moment that we can learn through doing this whole work together. And that's that's how I would work with it. I don't tell people not to do – I don't even – and this I don't know how this is going to sound, but even when someone comes to me and they're, say, smoking, I don't say, oh, you have to stop smoking before I can work with you. It's like, okay, well, what is that? smoking, numbing, or protecting you from. Let's work with that stuff. And as we work with that stuff, the smoking is going to become less of a crutch for you. 
you know, so it's working yeah. with a person wherever they are and and just letting them be the expert of their life. Oh, I like that. We know intuitively what we need. Yes, yes, we do. Now, um, I hear that acupuncture is very effective for pain. Yes. Is that true? It is. It is. It very much is. Um, Acupuncture supports bringing down the inflammation, which is a huge part of the, the pain pattern. Definitely the myofascial release can can be part of the pain pattern. Relaxing the nervous system can also, getting the person out of that fight or flight, which activates the pain neurons that, you know, there's so many ways that acupuncture can help with pain conditions. And it's it's quite effective. Yeah. Now, that's a, another great tool that people can try and see if it's for them, you know, because... I know a lot of people mm-hmm. are, used to be afraid of the, you know, that the needles are going to hurt and all that, but they, they really don't, right? I mean, I've had acupuncture done in the past; it didn't hurt. It's. I used to laugh when my patients would say, "Is this going to hurt?" Because I would say, "Well, do I look like I'm someone that could hurt people for a living?" <laughs> <laughs> do I look like a psychopath with needles? I really, I promise you I'm not. We've got candles, we've got incense, we've got a glow here. I'm not here to cause harm. But, um, <laughs> so the needles are so tiny. They're about the size of a piece of hair. And when you're inserting an acupuncture needle, you're actually bypassing the pain receptors in the skin. So most folks don't even, I, a lot of times my patients would say, okay, did you start yet? Because they'll have their eyes closed. <laughs> Oh, oh my God. you've already put all the needles I'm in? Actually, yeah. I'm actually already done. <laughs> Just lay there and relax. <laughs> but and how the long do you... Off... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Now, I was just wondering how long you leave the needles in. Is there a specific amount of time, or is it different for everybody? It usually is around 20 to 30 minutes. If someone is coming in with a cold or a flu or something, there's, there is actually a science to how long you leave them in. If someone is trying to get rid of something, you leave them in a little bit shorter. If someone is building energy or building healing forces, you leave them in a little bit longer. Um, generally speaking, it's about 20 minutes because that's how long it takes for the cycle of chi to move through all of the meridians. So mm-hmm. um, with some variation, we, we tend to leave them in 20 to 30 minutes. Um, well, that's you know, not too long of the time. So it's fine. It's a nice meditation you can do during during that. Now, hey, PK, have you ever tried that for your back? The acupuncture. No, stuff? I ha- no, I have not. I actually someone recommended it the other day, but until I'm a little more mobile, that I feel mm-hmm. like I could get on a table or have someone work with me, I'm a little mm-hmm. skeptical. That's mm-hmm. called scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you might even be able to get somebody to come to your house, right? Because there are acupunctures that will do that. So that's and you what have I'm to worry about. Thinking. Yeah. Is this a, a yeah. gentleman? He's Oriental doctor here. Actually, he's about a mile and a half from where I am, and I have a friend that goes to him. I've thought about it, but I'm not quite ready to make that next. Steps, but I know I've got to. I've got choices I've got to make 
in the near future or lose what little bit of mobility there is. Couple yeah. Let's put it that way. And that yeah. also, well, I mean, coming back to what we were saying about the flower essences, self-heal flower essence is great in those kinds of situations because mm-hmm. it could be acupuncture. It could be something completely different that maybe doesn't trigger the same skepticism or fear or, you know, it's, there's so many modalities of healing. And so it's really finding something that makes sense for you, <laughs> you know, okay. and self-heal flower essence can can help support that. It's one of my favorites. Oh, I, I talk about it so much. I have a <laughs> variety good. in my medicine chest of uh, different oh. flower essences that I use at different times. And Are you taking them? Nice uh, well, yes, I do take a couple of them. But the thing is, you forget about how good something works because then you feel <laughs> healed and you go on. And then next thing you know, something pops up and it's like, Gee, I remember when I used to take that. Gee, it made me feel so good. But <laughs> then we, going back to the box, that medicine chest has a, a myriad of things that are essential for us that we always have to be re- learn to reinvent the wheel all over again to the same space because the good stuff was already there. We just have to remember to keep going back and using it. I'm so guilty of that. I will be halfway through a crisis before I remember that I have about 15,000 bottles of flour. I'm equally as guilty. No kidding. Well, you don't have as many as you have, but yes, nonetheless. Yeah. You know, the other thing is, though, sometimes, like you said, you need something at a certain time. Like I am so guilty of having half bottles of vitamins and stuff like that uh-huh. and and then mm-hmm. but i'll put them away and then all of a sudden like months later i'll go oh oh i have that somewhere and i need mm-hmm. it but i need it i need it now i didn't need it all those months in between so yeah we rediscover things that we've used very successfully in the past and once we feel okay, we put it aside, and we forget that it was ever there until something specks us in the head to go back to the box. Is that, uh, well, I'm, that phrase, what, I'm, what you seek is seeking you? Because I, I think it ties back to what you were saying about them being sentient. It's, you know, it's almost like they, re-ima- they reappear. So there's this mm-hmm. sense of, like, being in the magic of, okay, I put it away for all these months, and then... Suddenly it's right there, and that synchronicity and coincidence is something I like to pay attention to. Well, and this works for... Go ahead. I was just going to say the flower essence. Go ahead. I think they they never, they don't get old. You don't have to throw them away. Because they're alcohol, they will last indefinitely. It's like my homeopathics. They're there forever if I don't use them. (laughs) Yeah, and what about, come back. what about pets? Pets can also benefit from this, right? Dogs and cats, oh, horses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Plants, dogs, cats, plants. I give flower essence to some of my plants in the house because really? well, sometimes oh, they, have it a, they, have a, they have it a little rough over here sometimes. <laughs> so you can put um, flower essences in the water before you water them. 
Mm-hmm. Pets definitely respond really well to flower essences, um, especially if you have a pet that feels lonely during the day or agitated. They really, babies even are really great with flower essences. If you don't feel comfortable giving them the alcohol, you can just mist the flower essences around their crib. They really are miraculous. Well, I have a dog. He's actually still a puppy, and he's getting worse yeah. regarding grooming. I mean, mm-hmm. he loves his bath. He loves a little bit of grooming, and then he gets kind of aggressive about it, and I'm like, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So for something, a situation like that, I mean, he's a love bug. He's adorable, and and when I go to groom him, it's a challenge. So something's going on there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you do with somebody who has an issue like that? For the for the pet, I would yeah. give them, you know, rescue remedy. Rescue remedy okay. is one of the box flower remedies. And I would yep, just I have it. spray them with it or I don't know, some some pets are finicky about drinking it in their water. But you could try to put a drop in, in their water, and if they won't drink it, then you can spray them with it right mm-hmm. before you groom them. And, and just see if it makes a difference if they settle down a little bit. Or sometimes it might give the person insight into what you could do differently to make them more calm. So maybe it's, mm-hmm. you might put on certain music or hold them a particular way, but it's that kind of insight that awakens that yes. might come from the flower essences. Yeah, yeah, it's really I would, like imagining like to, yourself in this like bubble. Hmm. Well, I'm going to try it. I have rescue remedy, and so I can spray them all over the place, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and he will spray you back. He's been in charge long enough. He knows. He is. He has been in charge long enough. Oh my goodness. So yes, I can't he wait to so, hear what so. happens. Or, or maybe sure just to spray, like, you. the brush. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's a good idea, here. too. Spray the brush, spray the combs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has hair to die for. I wish I had hair like that. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I wish I had hair, period. <laughs> yeah, really. I know what you mean. It's like, yeah, I wish I had hair like that. And <laughs> he's just a stunning dog. But then, you know... Hair like that that's long and gorgeous, needs attention, has to be brushed. So, yeah. anyways, I'm thinking if I die, he's going to be in serious trouble. So, I oh, <laughs> better no. find out a way to help him so I that he can enjoy can his grooming, you know? <laughs> definitely. It sounds like a little bit of rescue remedy. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to give that a try. If that if that doesn't do you it, I'm calling you back. You. <laughs> call yeah. me back. We'll, yeah. we'll make some, some other flower essences for, for them. Okay. <laughs> it's a plan. It really is. He might need a, he might need a special formula. <laughs> he probably well, will. Maybe the best. The best thing, Patricia, is the next time you get ready to groom him is you take the flower essences. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yes. really. Because it's, it's becoming more and more of a battle, and it's I don't want to do it that way. I don't want to mm-hmm. continue that energy. It'll just escalate. So mm-hmm. I don't want to come mm-hmm. down. But, but he knows he's in charge, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, my God. 
This dog, he comes from royalty. You can just see it in him. And it's funny because when I brought him to the vet for the first time, she said, this is a peach luck dog. I said, what is a peach luck dog? <laughs> and it's like, um, what is that? Yeah, she said, well, in American culture, it would be like a movie star. This is like a movie star. Mm-hmm. So, and he is. I mean, it's. It's, he is that way. He's so funny. But he's absolutely adorable and lovable. And everybody loves him that meets him. But when it comes to the grooming, it's a whole other reality. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to try this, Lindsay, and I'm very excited to find something with flower essences that will work. Oh, no, it's going to be fun to hear. Something will shift, either in you or... You know, yeah, right. <laughs> something I'll spray it on yeah. me yeah. and him. Yeah, yeah. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll do both, and I will report back. <laughs> I will. He is beautiful. But, yeah, um, so that's nice to know, though, that pet owners who are struggling with something like that can also turn to you for a private session and say, help me with this. You know, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what essence can I use? So because, I mean, acupuncture is well-known, it's helpful for dogs, but in a situation mm-hmm. like this where this is a behavior issue, um, right. I would think the flower essences have more of a, a chance of helping. Right. I, you know, flower essences are really great for behavioral change in humans, in animals. It's, you know, because our behavior comes from subconscious, you know, it's it's not verbal. So that's why, right. you know, we can see this energy with animals too. But even for our, our human friends, you know, a lot of times the things that we're doing or saying or thinking is coming from a subconscious place. And we don't often know why we're doing the things that we're doing and how the things that we're doing are contributing to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And that's where the flower essences are quite magical in unlocking that Mm -hmm. and giving us that insight and that perspective into what's really going on beneath the surface that is is creating and co-creating these circumstances. I think, Now, what about... Oh, go ahead. What's humbling about it is that we don't realize often how much power and agency we have. And so that's where the flower essences really reconnect us to being able to see how we are actively co-creating our lives and how we could do that a little bit differently if we don't want as much static or grief. Yeah. I'm going to remove those blocks. Now, mm-hmm. I've been noticing, I've been following a lot of products that have been produced lately and they're all mm-hmm. around vibration you know you wear this patch and all of a sudden these these things happen supposedly but a lot of people are asking can you use this because i'm looking at my text right now can you use flower essences or can you work with flower essences to open your third eye to expand your consciousness, just that. Let's say you're already healthy, you already have everything in line, but you're working mm-hmm. on this type of opening. Yeah, absolutely. There are several flower essences that deal with 
I would say, crown chakra, third eye chakra. And Patricia Kaminsky, who's one of the co-founders of the Flower Essence Society, she organized something that we use as, as the foundation of our coaching practice called the Metaflora Levels. And each of those levels relates to a different kind of consciousness. And so Metaphor Level 7 deals with that kind of spiritual awakening and also what happens when you've opened up too much. You know, some of us have that experience where we're so open that we're getting messages all the time and we can't turn it off. And then some of right. us gets into, get into states where we can't hear anything because it's, it all feels kind of blocked. So there's definitely flower essences for that. I would say that... Um, Serato is really great for that intuitive connection. Uh, it's one of the box flower remedies that was very easy to find. Star Tulip, which I mentioned uh, previously. Two of the formulas that I have in my line, one is called Sacred Source and one is called Present Presence. And both of those are about awakening and tuning into different states of consciousness, one being looking more at our dream life and being able to connect to our dreams, the other about being able to receive those kind of intuitive messages or messages from our spiritual guardians and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, once you, I I like to say there's a flower essence for everything. Anything that the human mind wants to accomplish or do, there is an aspect of nature that already knows how to do that. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> the flower essences That's terrific. definitely can be used. Yeah, I always say nature knows. <laughs> There's a flower or a tree or a fish somewhere that already knows how to do what we're trying to, to do. <laughs> That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? So now, now when if people... In the book, you, I was going to ask, if in the book, do you have anything that is specific to children or youngsters in your book? I have, there's a few flower essences that I talk about in the book that are really resonant with young people. Uh, Buttercup mm-hmm. is one of the flower essences that I talk about in the metal chapter because it is about that inner radiance and awaking that inner radiance, even when we feel like we're not big enough to make a difference. In the wood element chapter, I talk an awful lot about teenagers because they are in such a wood element phase of development. And so all of the things that we learn from the wood element in terms of autonomy and boundaries and asserting ourselves and finding our unique identity in the world, which is what teenagers are up to, um, those flower essences I talk about in relation to that teenage phase of development as well. I know that I have different clients that are very concerned about the middle-aged, going into teenage what's mm-hmm. the better approach? What Should they be taking the drops or should the kids be taking or should they both be taking them? That And that's the, some of the questions that I've had about what is the appropriate uh, item to work with that you mm-hmm. don't want to drug a, ch- a person or a child, mm-hmm. but it's a safe point. Right. The essences are a great way for them to go, but to know which mm-hmm. one to use and how to use it. Well, in East Asian medicine, we have this uh, system of the five elements that we say heal the mother to heal the child. So Mm -hmm. for children that are ages seven and under, 
I always say if someone comes in about a behavioral issue for a child that's seven or under, I mm-hmm. always start with the primary caretakers. I always start them with the flower essences because a lot of times these mm-hmm. children are acting out or playing out something that they've received energetically from the parents. And so we start there, and then, you know, we might add some flower essences for the children, but we really start Mm -hmm. with with the parents. When teenagers, right, it's it's a very practical system. At the teenage years, part of where the conflict is coming from is because that is when the, the child is, taking on their own subtle body. So up until that point, mm-hmm. they're energetically still connected to their caretakers. But once they start to separate, then it's now game time for them to really use the essences on their own. And so I often, with, with teenagers as well as young children, I will show pictures of the flowers. I'll ask them what they feel drawn to. I might ask a child to draw a flower that they feel like speaks to them. And Mm -hmm. it's really remarkable. I'm sure you've seen this with DreamWork as well in terms of how um, even when we don't have the words for something or the logic for something or know how it's working, we know what we're drawn to and we know intuitively where our medicine is. You know, I I remember when I was – yeah, it's a beautiful science. And I remember when I was doing my training, we would learn about how some parents would put – different flower essences in the crib with their children and see when the children stopped crying if a certain essence was there or if they started crying with another oh. essence and they will kind of use that. Now, that was a little more, bit more sophisticated, oh, so to be fair, I haven't <laughs> tried it. But the the sentiment of it, I definitely resonate with, that we know what's healing for us. It's, it's very similar to using, um, I forget what it's called, uh, is it kinesiology where you do like muscle oh, testing? Yes. Oh, muscle testing, yeah. It's, muscle yeah. testing. It's very similar to that where your your body, you can use that with flower essences as well with young people who might not have the words to say exactly what they want or need. And then there's some really beautiful books on using mock flower remedies for children and um a lot of resources out there for that. So I'm I'm a huge fan of using flower essences in the parenting process. I, mm-hmm. I, I've just seen it work so well for myself as a mom, for my daughter as she's navigated different stages, um, and even to the point where she's kind of taking it on for herself where she knows which flower essences that she can use and then she doesn't need to go through me. <laughs> you know, I do a lot of work in... <laughs> schools where I don't teach flower essences in schools because of it being a herbal supplement, but I do mm-hmm. teach the five element system in schools and, and young people are able to really tap into which element is the element that they need to work with to to be in alignment with whatever they're experiencing. So I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah, well, wonderful. The way things are today, it's important to be able to have a resource that's workable mm-hmm. with the children because there isn't right. a lot out there that isn't uh, chemical. Right, right. It's it's very true. It's very true. And a lot of times what I've seen is that uh, 
what's labeled as pathology or a behavior disorder is really, unfortunately, trauma or some kind of psychic wound that hasn't been addressed and is trying to get attention. And so when we deal with the root, instead of dealing with the branches, we just see a lot more healing and wholeness that emerges as as the young people step into their gifts. Mm, what a beautiful way of saying that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that is wonderful. And I want to announce the name of your book again. It is called In Our Element, Using the Five Elements to Unleash Your Personal Power. Great book, everybody. PK and I highly recommend it. It's excellent. And, Lindsay, this has been so such a pleasure. Yeah, thank you I've so had much. I've a great time. I've had oh, such a great time. Oh, good. Thank you well. so much. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, oh, I could do this for another hour or two. I know it. I know we're almost we're almost out of time, but this has been great. Obviously, we're going to have to have you back. And again, be safe in New York. And thank you so very much for joining us tonight. I know our audience learned a lot. And everybody, if you get this book, you'll be able to learn even more. We have barely scratched the surface here. And again, the name of the book is In Our Element, Using the Five Elements to Unleash Your Personal Power. And it's available now. You can get it on Amazon and I'm sure other places as well. Are you going to have an audio book of this? I hope so. There is an audio book. I just finished recording it, so it will be in my voice. I was super excited about that. Oh, so congratulations. Thank you. It'll be out in the fall, I think, either uh, September or early October. Congratulations. Well, if you don't want to read the book, everybody, you can get the audio book. And we'll be back next week with another great show. Until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.